frequency of heaven. I wanna be Hey guys, this is Pastor Caleb. I'm out here at the lake having some good Jesus time, and it is my birthday. I'm 43 years old today, and uh, we are in kind of this strange uh, time in life when we're moving from a place we've lived for 18 years, and uh, we're changing ministries. God has us on a new journey, new track, and it's just, it's so odd, you know. I mean, it's been so long since we've changed churches, and uh, just getting my heart and mind and wrapped around that and, and staying focused, trying to stay on fire, trying to stay plugged in, trying to keep the kids on track and just all the things going on. So much change and it's good. And but it's like extra work. And so I was out here today at the lake and um, like always, just trying to get on the frequency of heaven. God is speaking. It says in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God day after day after day, they pour forth speech. They reveal knowledge. He's always speaking. He's always moving. And I love being out here at the lake. You see the leaves changing. Leaves are falling. The wind's blowing. The lake is beautiful. It's awesome. And, um, but he's speaking. He's speaking to us. I was actually just a minute ago studying the water cycle for a little bit and just trying to remember like how God picks up this water and he takes it over the field and he waters the corn and, and the water comes back. It's like, God is so amazing. His glory, as Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, his glory fills the earth. And uh, I, I just love that. And, you know, while I was out here, I, I was reading and looking at several things. But I just ended up over in Revelation chapter 1. It was unexpected. I wasn't expecting to go there. I've read Revelation several times. And I always get something new out of it. I think most people, when they read Revelation, again, they get something new out of it. Um, hopefully it's biblically accurate information that they're getting out of it. But, you know, book of Revelation can be a little difficult to understand. But I was reading out here and um, I just, I, I'm thinking about John who is on this, you know, he has served the Lord faithfully like his whole life, right? But he's out here on this island living <laughs> because he's been cast aside. He's been imprisoned on the island of Patmos. For preaching, you know, it wasn't like he was doing bad stuff. He was serving God, but he he ended up in a rough spot. And so I don't know how lonely he was. I don't know how broken he was. But it says over here in, in chapter 1, verse 10, that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I just read that. I'm like, Lord, that's what you want from your people. You know, if this man, you know, it says where two or three are gathered, the Lord is with him. There's nobody else with him. I mean, he he's with the Lord. Like, I guess the Holy Spirit was with him. So there's John and the Holy Spirit where two are gathered. <laughs> the Lord was there. Because then Jesus shows up, right? So he's out here. He's worshiping. And Jesus, he's in the Spirit. And he has a visitation from Jesus. I think the Lord wants every Christian every Sunday to be in the spirit on the Lord's day and then to hear Christ, like Paul says in Ephesians, to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so I was thinking about this and I was thinking about John and, and then I was going back and just looking at these first seven verses and I was thinking about how does this guy who should be lonely, who should, be, should have no joy, who should be broken, who could be bitter, and angry at God. I served you. I did all these things. And now I'm out here in prison alone, cast aside. 
you know, because I, I can have a really good pity party going different times when things aren't well in my life or I don't perceive them to be. And, um, you know, as we've been in transition as a family and there's the fear of the unknown and, you know, we're kind of pulling away from old friends and getting ready to meet a bunch of new friends. But, um, and it's sad though, like as you, you go over to your friend's house that you've known for years, like we did the other night and played cards and hung out and you're sitting there thinking this, this might be the last time I hang out with these people for who knows how long, you know, hopefully not until heaven, but maybe till heaven. And so just all these emotions going on. And um, I'm sure John had some of those in his season. But he, look at three quick things that I think may have kept John on fire, kept him on the frequency of heaven, kept him plugged in in the spirit on the Lord's day so that he could receive a vision, a revelation of Jesus. Look at this first thing. It says in, in verse 1 of Revelation 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Here's the key part. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take heart what is written in it because the time is near. Here's what I want to get. I'm not getting into the details and the exegesis of explaining, trying to explain the book of Revelation. I just think there's some cool principles of how this guy is in the spirit on the Lord's day when he's on this lonely island cast aside for preaching the gospel instead of feeling sorry for himself. But it says here that blessed is everyone who's going to read this book. You study scripture Moses is cast aside. He thought he was going to be a deliverer. He thought he was going to help people. Took matters into his own hands. Killed a a slave master. So he's 40 years in the wilderness. Cast aside a nobody. And what happens? The burning bush happens. He's called. He's given a vision. He's given an encounter with the Lord at the burning bush. He's given a staff that turns into a snake and then turns back. And he's told to go preach. Like God loves to break in to lonely, unexpected places, whether you're on an island for preaching the gospel, whatever loneliness, whatever odd season, unexpected season you're in. And here God does it. And he says that John is going to receive a message. John's going to write this message down. And it says right here in verse three, blessed is the one who reads it. Now, I think this is the only book of the 66 books of the Bible that has a promise. I heard a preacher say this once, a promise that if you read it, you'll be blessed. I'm glad it doesn't say you have to understand it to be blessed. And I I literally take verse 3 serious. I will play the book of Revelation in my Bible app and just listen to it. I will read it. And my goal is, you know what? I may not understand everything, but I'm going to get my blessing today because I have a covenant promise with God in his word because he says right here, I'm going to be blessed if I read this book. Not sure you get that exact promise like that uh, many other places. So it's really cool. But you know, God wants to break into our lonely places. He wants to break into our seasons of transition where things are just different and odd. And he wants us to receive something that we can give to other people to be a blessing. You know, you don't have to be having that mountaintop experience coming back from a Christian conference and everything is, ah, yes. You can just be sitting listening, 
in, in an odd, unexpected place and God can break in and give you something that will bless generation after generation after generation. We have to keep our eyes open. We have to keep our heart open. We need to get in the spirit on the Lord's day, no matter what season we're in, because we never know when Jesus might want to break in and give us a word that is here. Like it says, John got a word that is going to bless the people who read it. God wants to do that in you. That's why he gives us spiritual gifts. He wants to bless us to be a blessing. I think that is awesome. And so one of the things that can keep us going is, hey, if John, Moses, and so many others received something that was life-changing for them and for everyone around them, it was a blessing in a really strange season I may not feel super connected right now, but I can press in because the Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. But I want you to see not just that this, this deal about how God breaks in and he gives us revelation, but also I think one of the things that kept John going was his vision of Jesus. Before Jesus shows up behind him and starts speaking to him, in verses like 11 and following, John declares some things out of his heart about who Jesus, of course, he walked with Jesus. He saw him crucified. He helped take care of Mary after the crucifixion. He was one of the apostles in the church of Jerusalem and he traveled and preached, wrote a gospel, wrote some letters, did awesome stuff, right? But look what he says about Jesus here. Starting in verse four, John to the seven churches in the providence of Asia, providence of Asia, Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. Now look look at these three descriptions of Jesus Christ. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, one, the firstborn from the dead, two, and no ruler of the kings of the earth. You know that no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, no matter what kind of, even if you've just had surgery, I feel like someone's going to be listening to this and they've had surgery, they're down and out and they're just laying there and it's like, man, this is not the season of life I want. That doesn't matter because you're going to heal. God's going to get you through it. But you know what? The deal is this. Having proper perspective of the true identity of Jesus is something that can fill us and sustain us and allow the fullness of God to be alive in us. John clearly, even though he's been cast aside, even though that he's imprisoned on this island, he can't have the freedoms and the the fellowship that he would love to have, he very, very clearly understands Jesus is the faithful witness. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. I want to break this down just a little bit, what I see in these three things. But we we need to wake up every day and say, Lord, show me your glory. Let me see Jesus afresh. Let me live in the awe and the wonder of who Jesus is. Faithful witness. When I read that, I mean, Jesus was a faithful witness in every dimension, from when he said, uh, why are you looking for me, mom and dad? I had to be in my father's house in Luke chapter two at age 12, all the way to uh, when he's ascending into heaven. I mean, Jesus was a faithful witness. But when I think of him on the cross, all the sins of the world on him, 
all the pressure, all the rejection of Judas, the rejection of Peter, denying him, the rejection of the religious leaders, and then the physical humiliation and pain and suffering and the spiritual the sin coming up on him, and he doesn't spit, he doesn't cuss, he doesn't reject. He actually leads one of the. Two um, thieves being crucified next to him to cry like he leads them to salvation. Like, what a faithful witness on his worst day! <laughs> he was so glorious. I mean, just what a faithful, faithful witness. And I, I look at that. I'm just, I love that. And John had a very clear vision of that. That's the identity of Jesus. It probably sustained him. It probably helped him to stay in the spirit on the Lord's day. Though he was on prison island, but that's not all. It says the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn. I was taught this in Bible college and many other places. The firstborn or first fruit. It means there's more coming. So if Jesus rose from the dead, though he was in the tomb for three days, though he was innocent, though he was falsely accused and murdered, he rose from the dead. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You're next. The Lord put resurrection power in you. John had to know that. John had to know there's resurrection power alive in me. I'm on this island. They say I can't, you know, (laughs) I wonder if John looked out. He's like, you know, I'm going to get back to the mainland. Jesus walked on water. I'm going to do it. I don't know, but I there was still hope alive in John because he knew Jesus rose from the, he's the firstborn. I'm gonna rise from the dead. I'm gonna be more than just a guy on an island who lives out his last years. And even though he was older in age, he, he didn't quit believing that God could use him. And of course, God gives him the entire book of Revelation in his old age. Awesome. And this is the ruler of the kings of the earth. When you read that, you have an identity, you have an understanding of the identity of Jesus as ruler of the kings of the earth. He's not the king who comes down off his throne, gathers his army, and goes and takes over this nation and sets up more uh, of his kingdom just to have some other king come along 20 years later and, and take over his kingdom. Jesus rules on the throne of heaven which is eternal. It's not a 20-year reign. It's not a a 30-year. It's not a 600-year reign. It's not like the Chinese dynasties that maybe lasted for hundreds and hundreds of years. No, he is before time began. He is now, and he always will be. He is the eternal God sitting on an eternal throne. He is over the rulers of the earth. And so the rulers of this earth may have put John on this island It doesn't matter. Jesus is their ruler. So what's oppressing you? What's fighting you? What isn't working? Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It says in Ephesians 1, he is far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. I think that's verse 20, 21 or so of Ephesians 1. Last thing. What kept John going on the island? It says here in verse 7, look. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him, so it shall be. I was recently preaching on First Thessalonians through First Thessalonians. And of course, it talks a lot about the second coming. And I can't remember the commentary that I was reading. It might have been the pulpit commentary, one of the others. But one of the things I read pointed this verse out, and I never thought about it. I never saw this 
before. But this this verse is crazy because we know that Jesus is coming on the clouds. It actually says that in 1 Thessalonians 4. But it says every eye will see him. I mean, that's crazy. Like, okay, so how are the people in China going to see him and we're going to see him? And But it, it doesn't just mean the people who are alive right now. This is the thing that really jumped out to me that a, a commentator pointed out. I'd read over this for years and not caught this. It says, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Those who pierced him, they've been dead for 2,000 years. <laughs> you know, Even those who pierced him are going to see him. So this is a, the second coming is this supernatural breaking in where every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. And all people are going to know that the king is coming for his bride. And I think when we get a revelation of that and we understand that and we're looking forward to that, that we can be like John in, in, in the midst of lonely, broken times. We still have fire. We still have passion. There's still breakthrough because no matter what's going on, we believe that Jesus is coming. And you know this, that a lot of times it's in the hard times, the lonely times are broken. When life isn't going well, we think about the second coming of Jesus more. You know, when you just won the lottery and you're buying the million dollar mansion and a new Ferrari, you're, you're probably not, oh Lord, please come back right now. <laughs> it's when you're on an island and nobody's around and, and life is different and strange and you feel in limbo and, and whatever's going on, you're in transition. That's when you're like, and I'll be honest, the last, last month or two, probably more than normal for me, I'm like, Lord, if you just wanted to come back right now, that would be so awesome. You know what I mean? And, and our eyes are off this world and our eyes are on him. And, and, you know, so even in the midst of loneliness, even in the midst of isolation, in the midst of transition, in the midst of feeling like you're in limbo, whatever it is for you, you have, you have an opportunity to receive a word and be a blessing to other people. That's what John did in verse three, it says. You have an opportunity to have fresh vision of the very identity of Jesus. Whether you see that he's the ruler of the kings of the earth, and he's a faithful witness and a firstborn among many brethren, but he's so many things. But keep waking up and keep discovering more and more who he is. And no matter what your circumstances are, fresh revelation of Jesus will keep you on fire, baby. And then, you know, this last thing here is simply he's looking forward to this supernatural breaking in the second coming, the king coming for the bride. That's this one advantage of hard times. It puts things in a proper perspective. Everything here is temporary. Peter said it this way, dear friends, I urge you to live here as aliens and strangers. This world is not our home. First Peter 2 11. This world's not our home. So I want to just pray right now on my 43rd birthday for you to have breakthrough no matter what's going on in your circumstances. I want to pray for myself too. Lord, I'm looking out at this lake. I see your wind blowing the trees. You are a good, good father. And you have made it possible for us to get on the frequency of heaven. John was on that frequency. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day, though his circumstances were terrible. And that's when you broke in and did the greatest ministry probably ever through him. You gave us the gift of the book of Revelation. So thank you, Father, that 
you always are willing to break in. Help us to draw near to you because that is a promise you will draw near to us. And Father, for anyone right now who is just uh, their emotions and their feelings and and um, maybe there's confusion, maybe there's loneliness, maybe there's just a, an odd sense of transition. Would you come into that and steady us and, and, and firm us and, and equip us and bring us joy in every season? Bring us joy in every season by the power of the name of Jesus. Clean us and wash us with your holiness. We want to be in the spirit on the Lord's day and hear Jesus behind us. <laughs> on the frequency ahead.